It's said the change is the only constant, but South Dakota is stuck, continually revisiting concerns that really aren't that concerning to most people in our state, while real needs remain unmet. Our smartest and brightest leaving for greener pastures. We can change that. Welcome to Change Agents and the Power of We. Hello and welcome to The Power of We, brought to you by Change Agents of South Dakota. I'm Rick Noby. Uh, as we get started with today's program, we just want to say congratulations to Dawn Marie Johnson. She was elected to the Sioux Falls School Board. She was uh, endorsed by our organization, and we're just very pleased uh, that she will become a member of the Sioux Falls School Board. So that's one topic of conversation. As you recall, we interviewed her uh, last session and talked about uh, what she wanted to do if she gets on the board. Today we're going to focus on sustainability and sustainability plans. These days you turn on the radio, you watch television, you read articles, there's all kinds of stories going on uh, being published about climate change and what it means and what's happening here, there, and everywhere around the world. And some of it's not very good stuff. Sudan, uh, all the tornadoes, the huge uh, flood uh, down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, some of the crazy weather in California this year, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Joining us today to talk about the Sioux Falls Sustainability Plan, or at least one version of it, are two members of one of the task forces or steering committees uh, that were put together to deal with this issue for the city of Sioux Falls. Uh, First of all, uh, a senior member of the uh, panel is a gentleman by the name of Casey Abbott. He is a professional engineer. Uh, He was one of the original members of the original uh, task force, and he joins us. Also, uh, Dr. Michael Heisler is with us. He is a uh, physician and uh, has some practice, uh, his practice involved in uh, ICU medicine, medical care, etc. And he was also a member of the task force, the second incarnation of it. Gentlemen, hello and welcome. Hello, good to see you. Thanks for asking Uh, us. Casey, I want to start with you. In 25,000 words or less, what's a sustainability plan? What does it do? What's it mean? It's uh, a roadmap to lead Sioux Falls to a more sustainable future. And, you know, we had one about 10 years ago, and it was it was due to uh, uh, get uh, updated. And they asked me back in early January of 2021 if I would be willing to be on the committee. And I said that I would. And, and we got together. And uh, over the next year, we put together a plan and Put it out there for the public input. I mean, there was lots of public input on, on this. Eventually, uh, the mayor presented it, and I was at the uh, announcement for mm-hmm. it. It was out at the Environmental uh, Center. And it was shortly after that we got feedback that we had to go back and get some additional feedback and redo it. And, and you know, I'm a business owner, and it, it took a lot of my time. I mean, there was a lot of input from a number of people in the original plan. In the original plan to get to that, that stage. We brought more people on, and that's when, I think, Michael, you came on board. But, you know, I was very excited with the progress we'd made and, and getting the different inputs. So, Okay. 
All right. So, uh, Michael, you came on in, in the second incarnation of this. You're a medical doctor. For me, as a living, breathing human being on the planet, what does climate change and its impacts, what impact does that have on me as an individual? So that's really an important question, because when you think about why the city of Sioux Falls and why the community should care about this, and you ask you know, the question to Casey, um, our focus on this has been on the health impacts of climate change and on the business opportunity that transitions. Let's just focus on the health aspects of it. Yeah, I, I, sure. I want to I, pre- pretend this is all about me, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So, but that's an important issue. So the health impacts of climate change are measurable and they're real and they're already happening in our community. I'll give you an example. So when things get warm and wet in Sioux Falls, we begin to deal with a West Nile virus. Uh, which is in, in indigenous to our area. Um, from the ICU perspective, you know, we know that we're going to get patients coming in with West Nile. The number of cases of West Nile and the number of mosquitoes carrying West Nile has gone up in our region over the last five to ten years as the average temperature has gone up and as the amount of rain has gone up. So the ability to breed West Nile virus has gone up. Every month there's a new article in one of the important medical journals about ways that climate change is impacting um, our health, both our public health in terms of the number of disasters, the number of floods, the number of tornadoes. And what we're learning that's maybe surprising to people is the impact on specific organ system diseases. So someone like you, for example, um, would say, well, will it affect my, my lungs? Will it affect my heart? Will it affect other organs? And we don't have time to go into all of that but we're learning more and more and more that there's basically not an organ system that isn't impacted by climate change through heat, through particulate matter in the air, through the impact of, on stress on your heart. Um, and we're learning more and more every day about it. Just in terms of natural disasters, there have been a, there's been a 300% increase in what we call billion-dollar disasters in the United States since 2000, 300%. And we all know that. We pick up the newspaper every day, and you already made reference to it. Well, those are health and public health events, too, because they lead to trauma and to people showing up in the ER with heat stroke and on and on and on. So it's a real issue. Okay. I'm going to – yeah, go ahead, Casey. And I'd like to tie in, tie in on that heat stroke. What a lot of people don't realize, the rising temperatures, you know, that we're seeing get a lot of the attention. But the other thing that is going on is our humidity levels are rising. And we humans, we – cool ourselves by evaporative heat transfer. Yeah. But as those dew points rise, it becomes more difficult for us to dissipate that heat, and we're seeing rises in heat stroke. Like over in the Northwest when they had that terrible, uh, I mean, there were like three, 400 people that died in the Northwest from that the record heat they had last year. Mm-hmm. So there is with these rising dew points, which is a combination of the temperature, but also the humidity levels rising, it's impacting more and more areas, and we're going to, going to be impacted too. I think about you know the the, the uh, greenhouse gas thing and yeah. that the particulates in the air, Doc, is what you pointed out, and um, I've got relatives who have asthma. And I've got friends with COPD and et cetera already have, they're already compromised. And I'm assuming based on what you're telling us, basically is the worse this gets, 
the worst the asthma is going to get, COPD and other kinds of breathing things that impact people's daily lives. Oh, we already see it. I mean, we know it in our practice, both COPD and asthma. I mean, just for example, the number of children who have acute asthma attacks who end up uh, uh, at Children's Hospital, at the, at the Sanford you know, Children's Hospital in the emergency room, is increasing because of the particulate matter and because of the increased heat that, you know, Casey's already alluded to. So it's not something that we think may happen someday. It's happening right now. Okay. Let's let's talk about the plan. You folks submitted a plan to the mayor uh, in December of uh, last year, December 2022, and there were several recommendations in that plan to get us from where we are to where the mayor had said that he wants to take us, which was net zero by 2050. Give us a couple of the things that are in the plan that you had that you think are really important that are not going to cost $17 billion and take 150,000 people to do it. Yeah, so in fact, in the plan that our steering committee submitted, there were six focus areas that the mayor, that the mayor and the city had defined. Um, and you can go to the website, the city website, and see those. But you know what they already are. They're energy, they're transportation, they're green communities, they're water, et cetera, et cetera. There were 70 recommendations in those six areas combined that dealt with each of those issues. And what really matters, and I know you know this, that our plan we thought was the plan that would go to city council was then over the holidays replaced by a plan that was no longer a plan but it's now a framework and a lot of these things that, that we, the members of the steering committee, thought were important were either changed or removed. So to answer your question, here's an example of something that we had in the draft that we did that we submitted for final review in December that changed significantly, building codes. So you could ask why do building codes matter, and, and you know Casey knows a lot about building codes. But the steering committee that expanded and what happened between the 18-member steering committee and the 31-member is that really important stakeholders were added, like the utilities, like the gas companies, like the building association. They weren't at the table during that first 18-committee effort, and that was a legitimate concern. Well, that was taken care of with the expanded. So the new plan that dealt with business building codes included the home building association and the utilities, et cetera, et cetera. The discussion was whether or not Sioux Falls ought to move from its current guideline, which is the 2009 IECC, the International Energy Conservation Codes, and join every other city in our region and adopt either 2018 or 2021 codes. We recommended after lots and lots of discussion, and some of us thought it ought to be 2021, but we agreed with the, with the overall um, consensus that 2018 was a significant move forward and it would make a difference. The city commissioned a study in the middle of this process by a reputable organization called the Pacific Northwest National Labs. They released their report to the city on November 18th, right in the middle of all of this. The question that went to that research lab was what would be the impact if we went from 2009 to 2018? And here's the real short answer to that. There would be a cost savings of 23.4% overall to the city, which was a number that none of us expected. It was far greater than we thought. There would be $619 annually saved if we went to 2018 codes. In the city, in the first year alone, the city would save $617,000 in energy costs and decrease CO2 emissions 
by 4,500 metric tons. Those are big numbers, and they make a difference. Okay, let me just stop for just a second. So the $619 that you said, that's I own a home in Sioux Falls, or I live in an apartment in Sioux Falls, and I'm paying for electricity, and I'm paying for natural gas. What you're telling me is... I as a as a utility user would save six hundred and plus dollars a year if I was living in a place with the updated business building code. That's exactly right. And and here's the other thing that's important. The additional cost in your home or apartment construction would be recovered within the first year. So this this idea that well we can't afford to do this because it'll increase the cost of of construction and it'll increase our mortgage turns out not to be accurate. We actually by the report by the Pacific Northwest Labs, we recover that cost, not in 10 years, in the first year alone. So yeah, you would recover your additional cost in the first year, and every year thereafter, you'd save over $600 a year in your energy costs. Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah, that's not petty cash for most people. And we decrease carbon emissions by 4,500 tons. Why wouldn't we do that? Now, I, I will make one minor correction. In that first year, you're going to have a positive cash flow the actual payback is 3.8 years but still a great payback and like well one figure that should catch everybody's attention is the life cycle cost of the savings $13,049 that you're going to come ahead by having this more updated Mm -hmm. code and I know they also did a study for apartments and they're the ones that you know we want to try to get them where they can eventually buy a home. Mm-hmm. The payback for apartments, if we went to this from the 2009 to the 2018 code, is 2.1 years. I hear a lot of pushback about housing affordability, but that needs to include you know the energy cost. And when citizens of Sioux Falls are paying substantially higher energy cost or energy. Uh, bills because of these buildings that are designed to this 2009 code where they go to Nebraska, it's a 2018 code. They go to the North Dakota, it's a 2021 code. We are not giving people living in apartments a, a fair shot because they're in these buildings that are following the 2009 code. Okay, okay. There's... Um so the that that the building code thing I, I get that. Is there another component of this, Casey, that that you think needs a little bit more attention than, than what it's gotten so far? Well, I, the code thing has been a concern of mine for a lot of years. I know that's your field of expertise. Yeah, and that's my and field I get of that. ex- expertise. You know, my biggest concern is what a lot of people do not realize on climate change is there's tipping points out there there is such a thing that you can wait too long and uh i was probably 10 12 years ago i wrote a editorial explaining how we needed to address this because the the warming in the north pole as the ice cap shrinks you get less sunlight being reflected and so you're going to see more warming in the north pole it's a positive feedback loop and then when the north pole warms you're going to start seeing methane release and methane is 80 times the greenhouse gas of co2 so i I said those are feedback loops that once we start them we can't it's gonna be very difficult to turn that around 
And unfortunately, that's exactly what we're seeing. The Arctic has warmed four to five times as much as the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of the methane being released because the permafrost is thawing. So there's such a thing as waiting too long. We, we need to act, and to this framework just kicks the can down the road. Okay, so we, we're primarily we're Sioux Falls-centric because that's where we live. If we change things the way you gentlemen proposed that, that we change them, how will that impact the permafrost? Let's just stay with the permafrost and the methane because I think that's relatable for people. I think we all need to, uh, it's going to take everybody, I mean, when I'm talking everybody, everybody in the world needs to work together on this. And so Sioux Falls needs to do its fair share of these emission reductions. You know, you know, all the countries, virtually all the countries have committed to emission reductions. We need to do our part. You know, as far as the, you know, what impact we're going to have locally, we're going to see higher temperatures we're going to see more extreme weather which those of us that have lived in Sioux Falls we've been seeing more and more extreme weather events whether it be flooding or the derechos the two derechos yeah, the derechos last year killed two people exactly so there's a human cost um, extraordinary now you know it's it's difficult to say that was caused by climate change but the thing is on average we're going to see more and more ex- extreme weather events and we've been seeing that yeah. Well, just think of it from a perspective of a farmer. If you want to get to our own local community, you know, increased temperatures, increased drought, interspersed with increased deluge flooding, yeah. which has prevented over the last few years farmers getting into the field in a timely way, drought impacting, you know, crop yield. And this is real back pocket in our community impacting, you know, one of the most important industries that it's exactly we are, and it's happening already. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So let's circle, and we could spend a lot more time on this, and I appreciate the time that you've given us now. This plan that was submitted um, has not gone anywhere yet. Uh, The city council ultimately is responsible for setting policy uh, for the city of Sioux Falls. Uh, How are you going to get this plan to them so that we all can participate in public discussion on it? Yeah, that's exactly the right question, Rick. So, um, because as you say, the city council is where the policy piece and the budget piece happens. We've already begun a coalition of organizations in Sioux Falls, uh, intend, including um, you know the League of Women Voters and Dakota Rural Action and Change Agents and a lot of others um, have already begun quietly talking with and working with city uh, city councilors um, to say, hey, this is what's happened. This is an important issue. Um, are you willing to put this on the agenda so we can have an open, transparent discussion about where we are and where we're heading? That decision hasn't been made yet, but that's what we're trying to get done. Okay. So what's the time frame here for, and, I, you know, there was a famous saying years ago, the best day to plant a tree was, uh, was yesterday, the second best day is today. So on this climate change, are we kind of in the same kind of a deal, the the best time to make a decision on this was yesterday, last week, last month, last, last year. But it sounds like, if I'm listening to the two of you correctly, if we don't act here fairly quickly, uh, we're going to hit one of those tipping points that we exactly. can't go back. Am I getting it right? No, I, I 
I, I feel strongly that that is the case, and and we owe it to our kids and grandkids to ad- address this issue because you know they're going to be asking us. You knew you saw all this going on. What did you do? And I'm not going to tell my kids that well, I came up with this framework that had no goals. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and part of the answer to your question, Rick, is so that people keep hearing about this thing called the IPCC, which is the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change that releases periodic reports. On March 20th of this year, like two months ago, they released a, a synopsis summary report of all the papers they've written since 2015. Big, long report, but basically said two things. Number one is you're at, we're at tipping points now. We're running out of time. There's still some things to do. second point they made is the, the biggest threat to us making a difference is apathy. They actually use the word apathy and people thinking they can't do anything and not being willing to move. That applies to Sioux Falls, too. Okay. We're at a tipping point. So the answer to your question is, yeah, yesterday, but we'll take today. Okay. So uh, those of you listening to this, the, the what we would ask you to do with these two gentlemen and what I would ask you to do is contact your friendly local city council member and ask them to put this on the agenda so it can be discussed in public and so the city of Sioux Falls can take some action on this quickly. Thank you very much, Casey Abbott, for being here today. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure to meet you. Well, thank you for inviting me, Rick. I appreciate it. Michael Heisler, doctor, thank you very much for being here and appreciate your input on this and your work on this subject. You're welcome. Thanks. This has been The Power of We, and so we need to take action, and I hope you will. Godspeed. Godspeed.